It is just a joy to be here with everybody tonight. I just see so many wonderful faces, and I know so many of your stories, and it's so glorious. So I'm just really uh, happy to be here tonight to have this opportunity. So we know it's all about Jesus Christ, and it's all about his word. <clears throat> so how many here, God talks to you in the shower? Anybody? <laughs> you know? So I'm getting ready today, and God says, put the word of God out on display. And I'm like, okay, I do what you say. So here it, here it is. I want to just give it all the glory that it is worth with nothing else on this table. Because we know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for con uh, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Oh my goodness, I believe every time we read the word of God, we get equipped because there's something that God does through his word. Um, and I also thought <clears throat> when I hadn't planned to start out with about the word of God, he wanted me to expound a little bit on what the word of God is that we know. We know it is his breath. We know it is his voice. We know it is God that inspired man to write this. No man wrote this word. This is the only truth there is on the face of earth. God calls the word of God so many different things. He calls it his treasure. He calls it like living water and the bread of life. He calls it a hammer, a sword, a, a fire, a, a, a a sword of the Spirit. So when we read the Word of God, we want God to impart something into our hearts and our spirit that changes us, that makes us stronger, that makes us equipped for whatever is coming our way. So this is just a vital word. I had two words I wanted to share about that. About um, Tonight we're going to be talking in the scripture about the word of God being a fire, uh, being a mirror, and being a sword of the spirit. Um, I just wanted to, enter, to talk about the word of God that uh, the sword of the spirit is used two ways that I know of in the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 17, we know, um, talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is right in the armor of God, where God has a man addressed for the spiritual battle that we're in. He uses the Word of God as the Spirit of truth that cuts out the lies of the evil one. Like when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he just said, it is written. So God wants us to do that when the devil is tempting us. It is written. Um, the other, other scripture is so, I see, so intimate. Calling God's word um, a sword of the spirit is Hebrews 4.12. It says, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Wow. You know, that's like a, a, that's our loving father's beautiful scalpel that he wants to take junk out of our heart that shouldn't be there. That is no good. That is not good for us. You know, I was looking at that when it says his word is a discerner of the thoughts and even to the intents of our heart. You know, sometimes I could think I forgave somebody and I'll read a scripture and I'm like, oh no, I didn't. I, I thought I did. 
but it wasn't in my heart. So he says it discerns the thoughts and goes right down to the intents of our very heart. So God's word is living and active. So I thought about that when I put this here. I hope it stays on the table, you know. (laughs) So praise the Lord. So I also believe too that God's word is living and active when we live it and we act on it. Wow. You know, God just, we just partner with God, say, I believe it. You know, I stir faith into every time I read that and believe it by the act of my will. So uh, hallelujah for God opening us with his word. That's what he wanted to do tonight. Uh, so anyway, I'm just um, so thankful for the word of God because he's our teacher, like the Holy Spirit is our teacher. So we want to expound on the word of God. So uh, I'm just really so thankful to have this opportunity to talk tonight. It's about our Lord Jesus Christ and the good news, the gospel of salvation. Um, God put this on my heart. So I believe this is for all of us as we're saved. I mean, I, I need to go to the cross every day and realize what my Savior did for me and how eternal it is. Um, uh, I also also want to be equipped with a gospel because God is going to put people in our paths that need to hear this great eternal love story. So I, I pray God gives us a fresh revelation of some of the scriptures we might have heard before, uh, but we know God's word is living and it's active. So I believe God was telling my heart that if we say, oh, I heard that scripture before, we are sort of taking the breath and the life and the heartbeat of God out of a scripture that is meant to be living and active. So um, God was showing me too in Psalm 1 where we could kind of sit in the seat of the scoffer. If we just kind of sit back and say, heard that word before. I'm like, oh Lord, forgive us if we've ever said that. We've all probably done it. But you know, it's like, Lord, let us get a fresh breath of your living and active word. And let's get a fresh, I pray, a fresh revelation of how wonderful the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is Lord and Lord overall. Uh, so, so the the um, the, uh, the message tonight that God put on my heart is laying hold of eternal life. Um, so this this message God put on my heart, I pray, all brings us all closer to Him uh, to realize the the gravity of what He did in saving us, but also to impart His passion into our heart for what God has a passion for, which is every soul. So I just want to um, uh, pray before we get underway, uh, so we can just you know settle our, our hearts into this message that the Lord has for us. So. Lord, we just uh, bow our hearts and our minds and everything to you because you are Lord, you are Savior over all. You are God Almighty. We thank you for this time together, Lord. We treasure your word. We value it. And we pray, God, you will impart something into our hearts that we need from you, Lord God. So, God, we are expecting your word to be living and active. We are expecting you to move like only you can move. We thank you, God. You know our hearts better than we do. You know our minds better than we do. You have numbered the hairs on our head, Lord God. There's nothing. You are not intimate with us, God. And we just praise you for who you are in our lives and how you speak to us through your word. You are just wonderful. And we just give you all honor and glory and praise because it's yours and yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, all righty. So I believe tonight that really the goal of what I believe God wants to do is to work in our hearts about this laying hold of eternal life. Uh, I believe um, 
the, the, the root of that is God's passionate love story he has for each and every one of us and how he wants that passionate love story like radiating like fire in our hearts for people that we encounter. He wants us to so lay our, our minds and our hearts on eternal life that when we look at people, we look past what we see and we see the condition of their heart and we see how they will stand before Almighty God for all eternity. Um, so, so that's the, it's really about the, the passion that God wants us to have, like a lit fire in our heart, like in our, in our, in our deepest place. I, I read this quote from a George uh, Hegel. He speaks a great truth where he says, nothing great in the world has ever been accomplished without passion. And I believe we know that from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they call, call, you know, when Jesus, you know, carried his cross and, and died and rose again, the passion, because it was the passion of God to redeem us in our broken state. So passion is what motivates and directs our hearts to do what it does. And there is no greater passion than the eternal love of God who sent his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come down to this earth and become a man with a whole purpose to die on the cross for every one of our sins. That is huge what he did for us and his passion that he saved us. He poured out his spirit in us so we would have this same passion that he has. Uh, so anyway, this laying hold of eternal life is for us who believe, and I believe also maybe there's some that are on their way to believing. We never know who uh, is, is listening on the video or whatever, but we just know God's word is eternal life that we're going to talk about tonight about this laying hold of eternal life. So if we even just get our minds around what is eternal, that is a hard thing to do with our our natural temporary minds uh, to lay hold of eternity, life without end, life that has no end, is eternal, it's everlasting, it's world without end. You know, and getting a hold of this, laying, um, laying hold of eternal life is such a descriptive way that God does his wording. Like it's, it's, um, it's intangible, but he's telling us to lay hold of it. So what he means is that like our whole being would grab hold of eternal life, the magnitude of eternal life that he has given us as believers, but also that we have this to offer those that we encounter. Uh, so uh, this is the message of the cross that we're talking all about, the love and power of God to reconcile a sinful man uh, to a holy God. And this is the passion that God has, and he wants to lead our hearts in this. First uh, Corinthians sixteen fourteen says, let all that you do be done with love. And our motive, if we're laying our hearts um, on eternal life, uh, our, and it's rooted in love, God will give us opportunities to share his great love story with those around us. So, uh, so the Lord wants us every day walking in this eternal viewpoint in the midst of all the things that need our daily attention. In essence, what he's saying is what matters to God is to matter to us. So we want to take what matters to God of the utmost importance and take that into our heart and our daily lives. We do a lot of daily mundane things that are part of life, but when we have our 
hearts meditating on the Lord and eternity. It's just like preparation time for when we do get to encounter someone that needs to hear the Lord. So our everyday mundane things, they can be pretty miraculous. If we're worshiping the Lord in our heart and we're thinking about eternity and who has the Lord, who doesn't have the Lord, we can take that time to pray for our lost family members. All this matters to God. Everything matters to God when we put him first in just the mundane things of life. <clears throat> Um, Philippians 2.5 says, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the mind of love and passion, a mind on eternity at all times. And we continually need to train our hearts and minds to think eternally because everything we see is temporary and all earthly. We have to train ourselves, which the word of God does. Uh, this is a, a really powerful scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.18. <clears throat> says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow, that's how, yeah, how God speaks to us. Fix your eyes you know, on what's not seen, that this is a, a move of the Holy Spirit that we set, basically setting our hearts, fixing our eyes means our vision, what, we're, what, what, our, um, what the, uh, the inner uh, vision is in our heart. Uh, so, and I remember um, years ago, the Lord impressed on my heart that a church on fire for God has the gospel at its heart. That's why the God has the church to equip, equip the children of God with his work and go out into the world to seek and save that which is lost. So I truly believe a church on fire has the gospel at its heart. Kingdom advancement is not us being stronger in the Lord. That's part of his will for our life, but it's we're stronger. So we go out and share the gospel and more, more people become children of God. That's how his kingdom is advanced. Uh, I was on that, that missionary call, Pastor uh, Jim was talking about. I was just floored by the missionary work in Tanzania and Africa. 21 Bible schools, new, uh, new churches being built. He was talking about how he's got one believer in all these unreached towns, like one believer, just to start spreading the gospel. And he says it catches fire. So it's a miracle what God is doing, especially over, over in that area. Uh, so anyway, so the gospel message is the eternal love of God message. The reason Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. So I love the mission statement of this church. As I read the church's mission statement, there is a momentum of the Lord's passion, which is really a laying hold of eternal life. The church of grace and peace is here, the mission statement of this church is to seek and to save that which is lost by providing an encounter with God in his word, his worship, and his wonder so that our Lord is glorified, his church is edified, and his enemies terrified. And the enemies he's talking about are the spiritual enemies. Remember, we were all once enemies of God, and he so loved us, and we became children of God. The enemies are the ones that are the demonic activity that want to chain the gospel, but the gospel is unchained. It cannot be chained. So um, what we just say hallelujah to this whole mission statement where you work through it, and it goes right back to the 
beginning. So we destroyed the enemy's work. People are saved. We go back seeking, saving that which lost. Bring people into encounter with God and his word, his worship, and his wonder so that the Lord is glorified, his church edified, and his enemies terrified. Around and around and around this church mission statement goes. This is God's heartbeat. He wants this community transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. He wants to see people bow their knee and say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of this church. It's been this purpose for 30 some years we were just talking about how this has been the mission statement and it has not changed because this is God's mission statement. This is laying hold of eternal life. And even the church's name, Grace and Peace. This speaks salvation. We're only saved by the amazing grace of God. And then when we get resaved, we get the peace of God. So this church name is proclaiming salvation of grace and peace. So hallelujah. So um, the passion of our church's name is, is just declaring Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now it's outside. Jesus is Lord. Now we want people to bow their knee and say, oh, now he's my Lord. That's what we want to hear because he's always Lord, right? He's always Lord. Uh, so, um, so also to, uh, to encourage unity, the church's mission statement declares we accomplish this together. And it is better and more powerful together than separate, which is why the enemy is always trying to separate the church. We are so much more powerful together with this mission statement. And we build up and equip each other with the love of God. How, this community is not going to stand a chance, I've got to tell you. So we need to encourage each other in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the, the scripture that started this whole uh, teaching uh, is 1 Timothy 6, 12a, where he says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. And when we read God's word in the natural, a person that's an unbeliever will not get this. How do you lay hold of eternal life? God's saying to let it grip your being. Let it be in your DNA of who he is, of that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. So laying hold of eternal life is a deliberate action of faith. It keeps us holding the passion of God's love burning in our heart. Every day, we need to have our own little mission statement and go to the cross, have communion with God. And remember, oh, that's right, Lord Jesus. You purchased me with your blood. You have a broken body and you shed your blood to save me. That's right. Oh, everybody must come to the, everyone must come to the cross. The cross is the level ground of where every man must come. I don't care if you're a prince, a, a pope, a pastor, a peasant, I don't care who you are, everyone has to come and bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Every person everywhere. The cross declares God is no respecter of person, that every man must be saved. Everyone, there's no other name given amongst men, they must be saved. Uh, so, um, anyway, so when God says in the scripture too, to fight for our faith, the Lord is telling us that there are many temporary things that are contending for our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the eternal purpose of life he has given us. 
There is a spiritual war that wants to steal our faith. There's a spiritual war that wants to have us focus on earthly, temporary things that keep us so distracted, so busy that we miss the eternal uh, things God has for us in this life on earth. Um, so there's always this contending uh, for our faith that we must purpose our faith. And we're in the word of God every day. It says um, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So we think maybe we're missing faith. Just get in the word of God. You'll watch your faith just soar because it comes from the word of God. So, um, and we walk by faith. You know, that's what we're doing. We're walking by faith. Laying hold of eternal life is a faith, is a grabbing hold of faith. Um, so, yeah, so this, this laying hold is for our, our vision and for our purpose to live from with all the things that swirl around for our attention. You know, Jesus, uh, did I, um, pardon me, did I miss a page? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So sorry, folks. You know, I dropped all my pages. So then I had to put them all back in the binder. And I'm like, Lord, I hope they all went in the right order. You know, it's like, oh, gosh. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do this. So, uh, um, so, and I also, too, I want to clarify uh, that we don't hold on to eternal life in the sense that we could ever lose it. I want to make sure there's no misunderstanding there. We hold on to it for purpose and vision, but we do not lose our, our salvation that the Lord Jesus freely gives us. Uh, look, this Jesus says in John 10, 28, he says, this is Jesus speaking, says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So we have the confidence that we're children of God and no one snatches us out of his hand. So I want to make sure there's no misunderstanding that we don't lay hold of it to the fear of losing it. That's, that's not what he's saying. He says, I want you to be strong in me and the power of my might with this purpose. So, so as children of God, God poured out his love into our hearts because we became one with him the minute we said yes to Jesus Christ. We became one spirit with him. Wow, that is a very a deep, uh, deep teaching in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, um, it says that the one joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. So when we became born again, we literally, the heart of God and our heart became one. That is enormous. So no wonder God wants us to lay hold of eternal life. It's his heartbeat. It's who he came, why he came. So our heart beats with the rhythm of his heartbeat when we're thinking eternally about people we see and about what we do, does it matter for eternity? You know, that's, so I was trying to say, our hearts with the Lord doing laundry can matter for the Lord because we're thankful, we're praising him, we're praying for people that need to hear the, um, hear the gospel of Jesus, Christ, we make mundane miraculous because we give God glory for the everyday things, because thank God for what we have every day. So, uh, so to set our, um, um, uh, to uh, lay hold of eternal life, uh, Colossians 3, 2 is a great scripture. It says, this is God instructing us to set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Things of the earth, uh, we do have stuff we have to do, but we have to get that mind up in heaven. We really have to get our mind in the Lord's, uh, in the Lord's uh, will. So, and we know too, setting our minds on things above, <clears throat> these are great scriptures to meditate on. Think if you just sat and, um, and set your mind on things above 
and let your imagination go according to the word of God. Wow, can you imagine? There's Jesus on his throne, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There's millions upon millions of angels worshiping. Oh my gosh, we set our minds on home. That's home. You know, with our loved ones we're going to see one day that have passed into glory, you know. So anyway, we set our minds on things above. Wow, it makes the things we have to deal with on earth that are difficult, but we have an eternal perspective. You know, God helps take the, the, the weight off of the things that we carry on earth, you know, when we know, oh my goodness, I'm just setting my mind on things above, like how about for five minutes and wow, can your day turn around, right? Because that's home. That's where our Savior is. That's where our faith is going to be sight. And we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to, we, it's just going to be beyond description. So God is telling us, lay hold of eternal life. <clears throat> so heaven is our home and we're just passing through, but we want to be in the will of God while we're here. We want to give him glory as much as we can. But everything clamors to rule our minds. We need to stay in the word of God because we're setting our minds on things above to be about heaven's purpose. Like when we pray the prayer, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where we're setting our mind on things above. So we call it down by the power of God to be on earth as it is in heaven. The other part too is that everything clamors to rule our hearts. So we have to say no. We have to be loving Jesus with all our heart and let him rule our heart. So many things want to come in and take place in our heart that do not belong there. Our hearts are Christ's home, period, end. The junk of the world is not allowed to come in, but we are the garters of our heart. So we choose what comes in and we choose what stays out. The word of God helps us clean out our hearts because junk gets in there. We don't even know half the time. Like, oh, why did that thought come out? Oh, some junk was in there. That was, got to get that cleaned out. So <clears throat> anyway, the, one of the, the great commandments in Luke uh, ten twenty seven is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And you are to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is enormous. So if we're not laying hold of eternal life, it is a lot of times hard to love our neighbors if they're not too lovable. Because before we were saved, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember what you were like when you weren't saved. Oh my goodness, just covered with guilt and condemnation and shame and all the garbage of the world that people that are unsaved do because they're in darkness, you know? So, um, so if we get this love of God, this eternal love, we look at our neighbors differently because we're like, how will they spend eternity? May I sacrifice maybe my time and my, my life to say, you know, God loves you. Anything I can pray for you, you know, just something that might break the ice and let the Lord do a work that he wants to do. So tonight we're going to magnify one scripture where the Lord reveals the depths of his passion for us and all mankind. And we all are very familiar with John 3:16. But I'm praying that God will give us a fresh revelation of this just from a little bit of a different perspective. Because um, God's word is works in miraculous ways uh, according to the Holy Spirit. Um, so I just one of the three ways we're going to look at John 3:16. we're going to look at as a sword of the spirit against the lies of the evil one, 
as the fire of God according to his passion and as a mirror as the word is to reflect how do we reflect God godliness godlikeness uh, so in simplicity um, yeah the 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 word of God in Ephesians 6 is the sword of the spirit that cuts the lies of the enemy. The Song of Solomon uh, talks about God's word being a fire of his passionate love. And the book of James talks about God's word being a mirror. So the scripture we all know, John 3:16, it is for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we're, as we're going through a breaking down John 3, 16, this is what God says when he wants us to meditate on his word. So we get a greater uh, depth of who he is and how we are supposed to live. Let's look at this first section where it says, for God so loved the world. It's really uh, amazing that almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the Alpha and Omega, the all-powerful one, Elohim and Jehovah, who fills heaven and fills earth, the Holy One, so loves this world of people. Why this is so amazing is that every person on earth is born a sinner in complete opposition to a holy God. Makes no sense no sense at all that he's holy and he would love us as sinners and enemies of the cross but God so loves the world so um, this is a sword of the spirit if we listen to this for God so loved the world it cuts out the lies that God condemns people you know, the next verse after John 3.16 is John 3.17. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but through him they might be saved. God puts a disclaimer in there because the devil is a liar and he never stops lying. So the sword of the spirit cuts that lie out that God condemns no man. Jesus stepped right in the way of every condemning thing. He took the condemnation on himself and it died on the cross and he rose again. So the minute we say yes to Jesus Christ, off goes the condemnation, off goes the shame, off goes all the junk because it died on Jesus and we received it at that point. So, uh, so this is, and it's not true. Also, another lie that God so loves, that God so loves all people he made in his image as they are. When God says he so loves the world, he so loves the world as they are, as we were, um, covered in sin and shame and all the stuff. I don't know if you remember, I just so remember how I was before Christ and what he has done to transform my life. So this scripture too, for God so loved the world, this is God's um, heart of love that is a burning fire, the passion for every soul. God's, um, it, it is, God being no respecter of persons is the, the most fabulous verse I ever saw. I remember thinking you have to kind of clean yourself up and look a little better before you can come to God. Well, God loves every person. If we can picture what we think of as the least of the least of the least in this world, God loves them as they are. Those kids that are living in the slums in the middle of nowhere, God sees them and he loves them. When you see someone that's homeless and drug addicted and done the worst sins is what we could ever think are the worst sins, God loves them as they are. 
as they are. There's no respecter of persons. So this passionate love, God wants us to live from passion for every person we see. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. So also, so if we look at this, that for God so loved the world, and we're looking at this scripture that it's a mirror, we are to reflect him. So we are supposed to so love the world with his love because he poured it out in our hearts. We have this love, but what happens, we can kind of get back into our natural love where we have limits of our love. Someone hurt us, someone offended us. Our love is not so strong. But when we, we get our eyes laying hold of eternal life and get our face in God's face and love them with his love, it's unconditional God's love is unconditional, no conditions. Ours can have conditions. So that's why I realized I'm not loving with God's love because I see their sin too much. And I'm like, nope, that's not God's heart. He loves as they are. Uh, the second part is um, that he gave his only begotten son. Well, Almighty God gave us his only son, sent him to earth on the greatest mission of all time, to come down and be savior of the world. Well, the sword of the spirit, this will cut out the lies that God gave us a list of things to do to get saved, like a religious list of do's and don'ts. No, we didn't need that. We needed a savior. All the good we could do, we'd never reach God. So he reached down to save mankind. He gave himself as an atoning sacrifice to pay our sin sin debt that we could never pay and pay that penalty for that sin. The righteous one became unrighteous so we could become the righteousness of God. So uh, this uh, truth as a fire, it reveals the passionate worth of every person. God's eyes, every soul is seen by God as the same value as his son. This is what is most astounding to our hearts, that everyone here is the same value to God as Jesus Christ. He put the value of us on his son. You know, in John 17, Jesus states that the exact same love Father God has for Jesus, the perfect one, he has the same love for each one of us. It's, it's mind-boggling and it's astounding. That's why we can only believe by faith. We can't figure it out. That's what man tries to do when their mind tries to figure things out. Well, maybe I'm worthy. Maybe this, you know, they're all just lies because none of us are worth it. But God sees us through the value of his son. So when he says that, then we just agree. We just say, okay, God, I can't figure it out, but I'm just going to trust you're true. And I'm living from that word. Uh, so also, if you look at this scripture too, that he gave his only son as a mirror reflecting this truth as God's word is a mirror, I believe the Lord is saying he wants us to reflect Jesus to others and give Jesus, which is giving eternal life message to those around us. For God so loves us as we are. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite scriptures, it says that God just didn't speak his love. He demonstrated it. Um, God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. This is the message we need in our hearts for the people that we encounter. So many people think they are too far gone to be received by God. They're too far of a sinner. They've just done so many wrong things that they, they cannot understand the value and their worth of who they are to God. Uh, so we, we share God's unconditional love. He loves them as they are. This next part says that whoever believes in him, well, the gospel in a nutshell is that by God sending his one and only son to die for our sins and rise again, he has done everything God requires for eternal life. Everything done for eternal life is done in Jesus. So that's why salvation can only be a free gift because the Lord Jesus paid for our sin debt in full. Somebody gives you a gift, it's already been purchased. You don't pay anything for it, you just receive it. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ, he paid our sin debt in full. So he freely offers this free gift of salvation and eternal life. But when we share that with people, it doesn't make sense to a natural mind where you think you have to earn it, you have to deserve it, but, but you can't, it's a free gift. So that's what we do uh, as we... Um, uh, gave, and he gave his one and only son as a mirror, we can look at that, that we give Jesus, we give his son to people as we mirror that. The next section is so, so whoever believes in him. Well, the gospel, like we talked about, being such so concise in a nutshell, um, that the sword of the spirit, whosoever believes in him, the sword of the spirit in this verse cuts out the lies that God is a respecter of person. Like only some can be saved, it cuts out the lies that good works get us in a right standing with God. God says, whoever believes. It's what he says right here. Um, any persons, all the whoevers, are free to believe God's love story is for them. God is absolutely no respecter of person. This clarified God's free gift of salvation is only to believe. This is what God gave me. is only to be believed and received, not achieved. Wasn't that a good word? I thought God, you know, it's only to believe and received, but not achieved. Uh, this purity of passion reveals the fire of God that all he asks is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Um, so John 6:40 says <clears throat> in this scripture Jesus says and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up on that last day. So this word as a um, mirror to us uh, to reflect God we are to live as believers. We are to reflect this faith to others and that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All that takes is for someone to believe. We're believers. We believe in it to show someone else how to believe uh, in God's truth. So uh, this, this great part of it too, should not perish. Well, as a sword of the Spirit, this cuts out the lies that uh, say God doesn't really care but sends people to hell. Well, that is such a lie. Do we need to be equipped in this because this comes up in conversations? Well, let me tell you, Satan is the father of lies, only lies, and there is no truth in him. Since he is a liar, he's always shooting arrows of lies. 
and since hell is his eternal abode, he lies about hell too. Have you heard some people say, I've always heard people say that, oh, hell's going to be the fun place where all the partying's going on, not for those good goody two-shoes folks like that. Well, he's a liar, so he's going to lie about hell because he's a liar, you know? And I tell you, the, the, the childish saying that says, liar, liar, pants on fire, that is, the, that is Satan because that's where he's heading. And he wants to take as many as he can with him. And we say no, for God so loves the world. We don't let him win with our family and our friends. We tell them the gospel. So God's love is so big, his passionate fire is for every person so great that he sent his one and only son to the cross to keep everyone out of hell. That's what he went for. So when you hear that lie, say, oh, Jesus Christ has done everything God requires for eternal life is a free gift. So God already did that. So we, we got to learn how to respond to some of these, um, these comments, though. <clears throat> uh, so... Second, um, listen to this one too. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. That's all of mankind. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here's God's heart. Here's all the whoever's he's talking about. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, that all would be saved. That is, you don't hear him being a respecter of a person in that scripture at all. So as a mirror, this has to be our hearts too, that we see folks from an eternal perspective desiring none to perish and pray for the eternal love of God to break through. You know, we, we pray that they break the, the, the evil one's chains and blinders off of the lost and pray for God's heart to break through, but God's love to break through hearts. But we also know Jesus Christ is an absolute gentleman. He doesn't force anyone to be saved and receive his love. But we can pray and God does mighty things when we pray for the lost. We can ask God to orchestrate circumstances around Around people. We can ask for other workers of the harvest to come into their life. We can ask for um, them to have encounters with the Holy Spirit and have him speak in dreams and visions. We can pray for the lost, you know, but and ask for God to just be softening their hearts to the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and the ending part of John 3, 16, but have everlasting life. Well, as a sword of the Spirit, this cuts out the lie that says you can't possibly know where you're going when you die, that you just need wishful thinking. Well, that lie only brings fear and insecurity and weakness of faith. The love of God is that we believe him and that he gives us strong confidence in his promises by his Spirit. So we walk out life in full eternal assurance because God cannot lie. He speaks the truth and it's the only truth and we just receive it. So this is uh, this eternal assurance of heaven is our laying hold of eternal life. <clears throat> I remember um, when I was newly saved, uh, I, I had the thought, well, are you really saved? Uh, then I thought, well, all I did was believe. Am I really saved? Then I learned, uh, and it brought such fear and insecurity, but I learned that that was the voice of the enemy. I was new, so I didn't know what the voice of the enemy was. Doubt, sowing seeds of doubt. It wasn't like a, a, a wicked thing that would make you know that who that was from. It's like, just a little doubt. Are you really saved, you know? Well, notice that uh, have, uh, 
have everlasting life. We don't finally receive it once we get to heaven. We receive it the second we say yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have everlasting eternal life. So as a mirror uh, that we have the Lord Jesus and his everlasting life, our lives then need to reflect this change that God has put in our life. If we look like the world, we won't draw any man to the Lord, you know. But if we, we have this righteousness and this joy and this peace, which is the kingdom of God, and we're pursuing the fruit of the Spirit in our life, it, it should be, we should be a peculiar people, as God calls us, in the midst of the lost sea of dying people around us. They should want what we have. They should want the peace and the joy and the righteous life that we have because God's righteousness in us is a strength against the weak and the meagerly things of this world. So, um, so I just want to take a few minutes here uh, to reflect on what takes place the second someone is born again. It is God's greatest miracle, new birth in any person. We praise God for all his miracles that he does. He provides new jobs. He does healings. He does all kinds of prophetic words and whatever he does. Praise the Lord for all the miraculous ways he reveals himself to us. But what is eternal is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What lasts past this temporary world? You know, God has so many things. He talks about the length of our life, whether it's, um, it's a, a vapor, it's a breath, it's like the grass. You know, that it's what we have here on earth is a, such a limited uh, time compared to the expanse of eternity, which has no end. So what God does with eternal life is he takes a person out of the miry clay and puts them on the solid rock for all eternity. Um, let's just uh, look what happens probably in less than a blink of an eye. And this is so incomplete, but just a few things. Talking about 1 Corinthians 1.18, talk about that the message of the cross it is foolishness to those who are perishing because it's by faith, it's not by sight. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's just see what God does with his power that he does to transform a life. The first thing he said, well, I shouldn't put these in any order. God does them all at the same time. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means in faith in him, and believing him as Lord and Savior, he is a new creation. Now, of course, we're looking at things in the spirit realm and spiritually. I'm sure I look just the same as I did if I was lost yesterday because it's, this is natural. But what happens in the spirit realm is enormous. Um, so the old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. And I also have to say as an encouragement, too, <clears throat> this all has taken place. But as a new Christian, we have to grow and understand what has taken place, that we have uh, to study through God's Word to even understand all that is to, it's all a place of growth and every one of us is in a different place with the Lord so we give ourselves grace because God gives us grace right he gives us grace we need to, have to take that grace on ourselves to walk out this life as we come and go in this this path of of learning who God is and who we are in his kingdom if we can almost see in the spirit realm that we have eternal life the second we are born again it's like the gates of heaven open for us and we're put in the kingdom of heaven. And now our eyes are wide open because the Holy Spirit fills us and illuminates us. 
What is this place called the kingdom of heaven that I'm in? What do I look like? How am I dressed? Oh gosh, if we knew right away we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, oh, how differently we would walk. But we grow as we're born again and discover all these different places of who we are in Christ, who he made us to be in Christ, because it's the power of God that came into our spirit, made us new creations, because now we're eternal citizens of heaven for his glory. So this all took so, uh, so quickly, but just little things to grasp. Uh, so look what happens in Luke 15, 10. The second we said yes to Jesus Christ, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner repents, one. Do you know heaven, we try to figure out the multiplications, there are millions of angels in heaven. And because we bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven is erupting with a radical party because God's will was done for a soul that was lost, and they're found. They were lost for all eternity, and they're found in Christ Jesus. Heaven says, hallelujah, God, another child of God. There's a new birth. They're celebrating new birth. That's how much God's value of a soul is. The value of Jesus Christ is the value of a soul. So um, look at Ephesians 2, 1 says, he says, And you, he made alive that were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were spiritually dead. We pass spiritually dead people all the time, but they have the appearance of life because they're a temporary breath that God gave them for earth. They need, they are born in the image of God, they need new spiritual birth. They need to be born again. We're born naturally. We need, people need to be born by the Spirit of God to lay hold of eternal life. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A second before that, the lost person would have been an enemy of God like I was. But in the blink of an eye, I am now um, peace with God. And when we say that we have been justified by faith, that word is so great. It means our sin debt is paid in full. So it's justified, never sinned. He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees us through the finished work of the cross where Jesus says, it is finished. Our sin debt is finished. We are free. Who the Son sets free is free. Indeed, because we're justified and we're in peace with Almighty God. Oh, so we are, um, this is uh, the entire exchange that took place with our salvation as the dominion of darkness in our life was dethroned. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, which is like trans, uh, translates us into the kingdom of of the son of his love. We were in a kingdom of darkness. He's like, he picked us up and he put us in a new kingdom, the kingdom of the son of his love, where Jesus Christ is love and he is king. Hallelujah. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he um, made him, Lord Jesus, who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. 
So every day, no matter what we think, say, or do, we are the righteousness of God. We might live unrighteously at times, but our standing with God is he made us righteous. So that's a great way to start our day. So we start living in righteousness and choosing righteousness because it's God's spirit in us that gives us the strength to walk in righteousness. Righteousness is a power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that delivered us from darkness and put us in a new kingdom where the king is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, um, so here's a, a great scripture we have to look at too. Is Colossians 2 verses 13 through 15. <clears throat> Talks about us that we were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And listen, he disarmed the principalities that were in our life. He didn't disarm the powers, and he made a public spectacle out of them, triumphing over them on the cross. The, the neatest thing, I love to picture God's word because to me it just gets bigger. I love where he says, he has wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. If we could picture a big dry erase board and it was loaded with our requirements and all our sins and it was just black because of our ineptness to ever be in a right standing with God. And Jesus Christ wiped it clean. He put it on himself and it died, and then he rose again. So our dry erase board is white because Jesus, our sins that were red as scarlet, he made us white as snow. So we all have a dry erase board in Jesus Christ. We, we are set free from the list of obligations and the list of sins. They're all paid for in full. He triumphed over. So hallelujah. So, so much more, but how about our identity exchange? In the spirit realm, we are all orphans. We are all orphans. We did not have Father God as our Father. John 1:12 says, But as many who have received him received Jesus the Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's all he wants someone to believe in his name. So laying hold of eternal life will help us look for opportunities to share God's redeeming love story with others. And the Holy Spirit is our helper in this, and he desires to speak through us. Jesus says in John 15, 26, uh, he says, and when the helper comes, I love that name for the Holy Spirit. I'm always praying for God to help me. So then he does. That's what he does because he's the helper. But when the, Holy, uh, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit in us is always testifying to Jesus Christ if we allow him to. We give the Holy Spirit first place in our hearts, we will be coming out of our mouth with things we don't even know because he just wants to testify. You know, we put, I, I love the song we do where he's high in our heart and high in our mind. If Jesus is given the preeminence in our mind and our heart, it's just going to come out because Holy Spirit in us is testifying to Jesus Christ. 
I, I remember uh, recently I was at a gas station and I just leaned out the window talking about my gas. Normally it'd say it's a nice day. I said, do you have a relationship with God? It just came out, you know, I wasn't even planning on it. That's because God wanted to say that to him. You know, and his head whipped around because we normally talk about the weather, right? But what happens if we get someone's heart about, are you right with God? Do you know he wants, you can be. Do you know how easy it is? You just have to receive. You just have to receive and believe and achieve and know achieve. That's what it was to tell me. So at the end of every person, life is why we lay hold of eternal life for our own sake, for vision, and for the sake of those that we encounter because God's great command is to love him and love others as ourselves. And the other scripture that says we're to love God with our everything, uh, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is like it, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So we're saying we're loving God. He says the same thing if you're going to love somebody else. He said it's the exact same. It's just amazing because he sees people and the value of Jesus Christ. So, um, so at the end for every person, which is why we lay hold of eternal life thinking about others, is because there's a valley of decision for every single person on earth. We want to be helping them uh, by, by watering and sowing God's word. That's our only part we're called to do. Um, Matthew 16, 26 says, For what profit is a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh my goodness. The, the good news for our sake is the good news is always good news. And we are messengers. We do not save anybody. We are messengers. We just tell them, like, we, I love the example that we are beggars that found the bread of life. We'll tell you how to get the bread of life because that's really what it's all about. So our part is to pray for the Lord to use our voice with one another um, and for God to put people in our paths that we could share with them. Also, our... our um, our part is to be ready. God wants us to be ready. He says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so when we speak, not to please man, but God who tests our heart. When God says he entrusts us with the gospel, he's saying the greatest message there is is this golden gift of eternal life. It's entrusted to us to share with others. And 1 Peter 3.15 says, uh, but in your hearts reveal Christ as Lord. That's giving him the preeminence over our heart. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, we want to live with this hope in our countenance that people will say, gee, why are you not all upset about the stuff in this world? Well, got a living hope. Now, this is no good. We pray against the wrong stuff in the world, but we have a living, eternal hope because we've laid hold of it. So um, two scriptures I'll just end with uh, as encouragement. I love um, Philippians 3.12 because we all can say this, not that we have already attained, we're all in progress. Are we not all a work under construction? We're all in progress at different places walking with the Lord. Or, or am I already perfected? But I press on that I may lay hold of that for what Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Um, and end with this, uh, 
just a beautiful meditation in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. I'll say it as a prayer. It says, and I pray for you and I pray for me that we are rooted and established in love that we may have power together with all of Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. This grasping, this love is laying hold of eternal life, making it our vision, making it our heartbeat, because it's God's heartbeat. It's his passion. So God wants to fill us with his passion as we set our minds on things above and we are filled to overflowing with the love of God, and then God will do it through us all. He wants to use every single one of us in our circles of influence. I could almost see us like when you, you put a stone in the water and the ripples go out. Each one of us has a place where the ripples of God's love can go out. It can be your workplace, your family, your neighborhood, the stores, wherever it might be. When we're filled up because we've laid hold of eternal life, God will allow it to outpour somewhere, somehow, some way. And we just let him do that. That's not our job. He's got to make divine appointments. But our part is to pray and be ready and filled with his love for laying hold of eternal life. I'll be a motivation for our heart and those we encounter. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.